I asked someone, what should I preach on this week? And they said, oh, how about you preach on this? We've been looking at the book of Acts and uh, the last journey of Paul. And, you know, the amazing thing that's happened there, there's a big shipwreck, which we'll, we'll talk about in a minute. There's um, him ending up on an island and getting bit by a snake, shaking it into the fire. I thought, okay, and I looked at it, and it actually unexpectedly took a bit of a twist as I was, I was reading through it. Um, yeah, so I don't always do sermons on request, by the way, guys, but this was like a... I just wanted to ask, and then I was like, let me look at that and just see what God says. You know, is this what I'll be preaching on? Um, and it took an unexpected turn in this way that it started to really... And because, I guess, some of the situations in my life at the moment and things like that just really stir up, what, how do I go through this storm of life and maybe sometimes bad circumstances, keep my faith without hiding, share my faith without being obnoxious and give glory to God in that? What, what is it that God is actually asking me to do? Anyway, before we start, now the offering's been taken up, I just want to just take a bit of a moment for us to just actually spend about a minute or so, maybe a little bit longer, just being silent, all right? So what I want you to do during this time is just close your eyes, just breathe nicely, and what I want you to do is just let God talk to you this morning about what it is that might bring peace to your life. Okay. I know we don't do this very often, but I just felt like this morning God's saying, you know, as, as Ali got up here and she's saying, life gets busy. I think God just would like us to just take a little bit of a breath. So as we do this, I'll just be talking a little bit during this moment. Um, just close your eyes and let's begin to breathe and, and just start to focus on the Lord. So firstly, just take some time to just thank him for all he's done this week for you. I just want you to take a moment to think about something this week that might have been really hard and challenging for you. I just want you to take a bit of time right now and in this moment just give that to God and say, God, this anxiety, this care, I just want to cast it upon you. And now just a moment, just we, we all go through the week and we miss the mark. We, we sin in ways, we act in ways that aren't godly. We don't give honour to him. I just want you to just spend a little bit of time and just ask God to forgive you for those moments.
And lastly, just want you to pray and just thank God for what he's done, for what he's going to do, and for guiding us at this time, that, that the Holy Spirit would just fill your life and guide you, show you things to come. Thank you, God. Okay. The reason that that was just impressed on my heart this morning was that the story that we're talking about is about a storm, about a shipwreck, about all these tumultuous things in life. And we are called as people of faith to also do something called meditate. Now, we're not talking about Eastern religion stuff like that where we're emptying our mind. What we're doing is filling our mind with God to, to meditate on the word of God and just let him fill our lives. The thing is with busyness, guys, and we're in a busy, busy world, is that often we don't take time to reflect, do we? We're just so busy, we don't take time to stop, think, reflect. And I just want you to just start to think about that in your own life. What are the practices that you actually are taking part in that help you to do that? Is your week always so busy that you never have time to actually just soul search to find time for God to work in your life? And actually, importantly, to ask him to forgive you for how you've been that week if you need it. Okay. So here we are. We're going to talk about this journey Paul setting sail for Rome. I just sort of want to set it up. We're not going to read the whole chapter of Oz at first, but I've sort of narrowed it down a little bit to the storm at sea. <laughs> oh dear. The storm at sea. So what happened was Paul had been arrested, all right? He's being taken to Rome uh, to meet whoever he had to meet there to go before Caesar and, or, or whoever that might have been at the time. And he'd been put into a ship with a whole lot of other people as a prisoner, but there was also free people there. It wasn't a Roman galley or anything like that, but he was in the custody of a Roman officer. They set off on a ship. They came to a port where Paul was actually given leave to go and get a bit of comfort from his friends that were in that city. The, the, the guard trusted him that much. It was like, yeah, we'll, we'll allow that. I'm sure he was guarded at that time, but it seemed that there was this freedom that had already built up. They found another ship. So the officer found another ship and said, hey, guys, are you going this way? They said, yep, jump on board. So they put out to sea. It was slow sailing. There wasn't much happening, and what happened is they fell far behind their schedule, where they were meant to be. And they got to a place where they could sail on or they could port for the winter because it was actually that time of year when there was lots of storms and things like that, becoming very dangerous for sea travel. And Paul spoke up and he said, listen, guys, I don't think it's very smart if we go, if we keep going. He said, I believe there is trouble ahead if we go on. Shipwreck, loss of cargo, danger in our lives as well, for our lives as well. But, but no one was listening to him. So they pushed on because a, a cool, gentle breeze came in, a light breeze began blowing, and they thought, let's take off. We can make it to the next port. We can get where we're meant to go. 
So we're going to start reading from Acts chapter 27 and starting at verse 13, which is all about the storm that took place at sea. Okay, so here we are, Acts 27, verse 13. When a light wind began blowing from the south, the sailors thought they could make it. So they pulled up anchor and sailed close to the shore of Crete. But the weather changed abruptly, and a wind of typhoon strength called a northeaster burst across the island and blew us out to sea. The sailors couldn't turn the ship into the wind, so they gave up and let it run before the gale. We sailed along the sheltered side of a small island named Cowba, and there, with great difficulty, we hoisted aboard the lifeboat behind us that we were towing. Then the sailors bound ropes around the holes of the ship to strengthen it. They were afraid of being driven across the sandbars of Sirtis off the African coast, so they lowered the sea anchor to slow the ship and were driven before the wind. The next day, as gale-force winds continued to batter the ship, the crew began throwing the cargo overboard. The following day, they took even more of the ship's gear and threw it overboard. The terrible storm raged for many days, blotting out the sun and the stars, until, at last, all hope was gone. No one had eaten for a long time. Finally, Paul called the crew together and said, Men, you should have listened to me in the first place and not left Crete. You would have avoided all this damage and loss, but take courage. None of you will lose your lives, even though the ship will go down. For last night, an angel of God, to whom I belong and whom I serve, stood beside me and he said, Don't be afraid, Paul, for you will surely stand trial before Caesar. What's more, God in his goodness has granted safety to everyone sailing with you. So take courage, for I believe God, it will be just as he said, but we will be shipwrecked on an island. Sometimes when I read Acts, I'm like, well, I should read it more. It's, a, it's great because it's a story. Uh, Luke, a historian, wrote it, and just amazing what, what you actually read in it, the things that happen. Like even when I'm reading that story, somehow I'm captured and, and put it into this place of this ship being buffeted around by waves and the sailors wrapping rope, ropes around the boat and being driven by this storm. It's real-life stuff happening. And further on, if you read further on in that chapter, it talks about how the sailors on that ship decided they were going to actually escape in the lifeboat, so they pretended that they were doing something, lowering the lifeboats to slow them down, but what they were actually going to do is jump in those lifeboats and, and off they go and leave the soldiers and the other people on, the board, on board the boat to, to perish. It's pretty dramatic stuff, isn't it? You know, we sometimes think we divorce ourselves from the real world of the Bible sometimes, and Acts sort of brings us back to reality, the the harshness and the hardness of life that sometimes is. But what I wanted to speak about today was the way that God had said to Paul through this angel that everyone on the boat with you will be saved. Thinking about the boat, who was on the boat? It was such a mixture of people. It was like free men. Luke was there. He was not a prisoner, but he was there. Paul was a prisoner. There were some others. There were soldiers. There were sailors. There were people of so many different characters, types of people that, that perhaps you might encounter in your life, people that might have been good people, people that are bad people, people that are, that are deceptive, people that are honest, people that are kind, people that are horrible. There's this mixture of people all thrown together on the boat. And it just makes me think of our life as Christians. But the promise that God gave to him should inspire us to think, I am here for a purpose. Where I am, where I am now, there's a purpose that God has for me. 
Paul knew what he was doing. He knew he was going to Rome. It had been prophesied over him as he'd gone through towns before they left on this journey. You're going to be bound in ropes and you're going to be taken away. He knew a hard time was coming. In fact, even the angel's comfort that he gave the people was this. It's okay, we're not going to perish in the boat. Um, God told me I'm going to, to go to Rome. And, and actually, when you think about that, this is it. it's okay, I'm not going to die here. I'm going to be executed for being a Christian. It's okay. <laughs> Don't worry about it. Good promise. But... But we as people live in this funny old world, don't we? Some of you today are sitting here and you're like, I'm in this horrible workplace. There's not one Christian. There's, there's people that swear all around me. There's people that have, you know, all these, these issues or thoughts or, or desires that, that are against God. They're, they're, we're all wrapped up together. There might be some kind people in your workplace, some honest people, some dishonest people, whatever it might be. But there's this mixed bag but sometimes the, the trouble that we go through in life, God puts us there. Paul was meant to be on that ship. The reason that, that he was meant to be on that ship is so that he might be the person that God worked through, where there's a promise that came through that says, you and everyone on your ship will be saved. What's that mean for us, though? Life isn't always easy. Life isn't always cruisy. Life isn't always pleasant. But we need to understand that sometimes God will put us in situations, but his desire is this, that all that are with you on your boat, wherever you are, might be saved. That somehow God would use you in that mix of people, in that horrible workplace, whatever it might be, because he knows who you are. He has gifted you to be light and salt to that community that you're in so that, that somehow you can make an impact on the people around you. And you know what? It is hard. And sometimes it isn't God's leading that you're in that place. But sometimes it is. I read a story about Christian martyrs and, and it basically said this, don't put your hand in the fire yourself. In other words... Make sure that if you are in that hard situation that God is with you there, that he's placed you there, that, that you know this is where God wanted me. And, and the thing is that sometimes we go, I know this is what I want, I feel like God wants me here, but it's really, really tough. If I identify myself as a Christian in this place, I'm going to be slammed. People are going to tease me. People are going to say, you're an idiot believing in God. How could you believe those things? It's not always easy. Paul, as they set out on this journey, he said, guys, listen to me, it's going to be dangerous. And God is sometimes saying to us, speak up. Give out the wisdom. But I don't know about you, but sometimes as a Christian, and I'm going to be talking about this in regard to our family sometimes, we feel that they didn't listen and we get all offended. And not even that, we just get offended, but we're going, ha-ha, when they fall into trouble. You deserve it. But that is not what God is calling us to. He's calling us to have this heart for people that we, we would give out wisdom, understanding that sometimes people aren't going to listen. In fact, most of the time. 
but are we going to be silent? On the flip side, as we look through that journey with Paul, there was a time he spoke up. But it was much, much time had passed before he'd spoke again. Before he said anything else, he had just sat there, been part of the crew basically, did whatever he was told and and found favour amongst the people on the ship. In the middle of the storm, in fact, there's a verse there that says, and the next day they threw over car- cargo overboard as well. The actual literal translation was, we personally helped throw that stuff out to lighten the ship. In that situation, people not listening, feeling that you know they, they won't ever come to know the truth, I know this is the right thing, I've spoken it up, they haven't listened. For us, we want to know that we are going to be effective in that workplace, the place we are, and when we speak, that it's at the right time. And this is what Paul knew. He, he shut up for a while. He didn't say anything, but opportunity arose where they began to listen to him. And in fact, as you read through that story, you will find that not only did they listen to him, they did everything that he said. The reason the sailors didn't jump off the ship was because he told the soldiers, guys, if they go, we're all dying. He had this word from the Lord and, and all of a sudden the influence began to become strong in his life. And, and Christians, in your workplace, there's some things that you need to do. In your boat, there's some things that you need to do. And the first thing is to commit things to prayer. You see, everyone you are with should be someone who's on your prayer list. This is challenging, right? The people in your life, the people you meet with in the car park at school regularly, the teachers you see, the people, obviously, that you work with, your family. Who is it that is in your sphere of influence in your life? God's desire is that you begin to pray for those people. Paul did it. He prayed for the whole, pe- the whole lot of people on that boat. He prayed for their safety. He prayed for their deliverance. And I wonder sometimes if we have come to that place in our life where we just have given up, even in that simple act of prayer. How long since you prayed for that workmate that bugs you? How long since you prayed for that workmate that doesn't bug you? How long since it's been on your heart to look around and see the people in your life and go, you know what, you need salvation. Let me pray for you. Not pray for them, with them there. But their heart be moved, that you start to to intercede, that you go before God and you ask, God, all those that are in my boat, I want them to be saved. It's incredible when you start to do that from my experience that so often the opportunities come to share your faith when you begin to look to God. When you take that moment to say, you know what, each one of these persons that I'm with is my responsibility. Now, it doesn't mean that you're responsible to save them. We know only God saves. But but why has God placed you there? In fact, any Christian on earth, the only reason that we're here is for other people, isn't it? It really is, right? I mean, bottom line, 
really the best thing for God to do if we're saved and if we've got no purpose left on earth is, hey, you're saved, come to heaven now. But God has a plan for your life wherever you are. And sometimes it is a hard place. Sometimes it's a place where there's a storm happening. Number one is pray for people. Number two is that not only do you pray for people, but you become the servant of those you're with. Paul on the ship, and you see it once the shipwreck happened, had such a heart to serve the people he was with. Whether they believed or not, whether they were saved or not, didn't matter. His heart was to show the gospel through his actions. The very fact that, that him and Luke took part in throwing that stuff over to lighten the ship to keep them safe shows that heart. And you can imagine that the favour that God began to bestow on him and also he would have grown in favour with those on the ship and the influence would come because there was favour coming on him because of his actions. We need to be very careful that our actions speak a lot louder than our words, don't we? It's great to meet someone who knows everything, but it's better to meet somebody who does it. You know what that's like, don't you? That, that in your workplace, let me ask you this, Number one, are you praying for those that are there? Or in your family, are you praying for your family? Have you led them with example the best you could? You've, you've taught them about God, the, the things of God. And you've lived out a Christian life before them. Have you been a servant to your family? Have you loved them well? Have you been a servant in your workplace? Have you, have you served well? Have you stopped working hard because you don't like the boss? Have you stopped praying for your children because you think they're too far gone? Have you stopped your prayer because you believe it's not going to work anymore? Don't give up. Don't quit. I've got to say, this storm that Paul was in, it says it was for two weeks, 14 days, the storm raged. Imagine all that time with all these things going on, the ship creaking and groaning, they're wrapping ropes around it, they're cutting lifeboats off, they're throwing everything over and, and they're looking and saying, it's hopeless. But Paul said, I'm praying for you. I'm praying for your salvation. I'm believing for your salvation. And this is something as a parent that we have to remember too for our children. When you pray for them, if they're wayward, if they're wandering off, or family members, whatever it might be, a husband and a wife, Paul didn't demand for God of how it should be done, when it should be done. Because sometimes in our heart we're just like, we just want this now, but God says, let me do the work, let me save them. The how, it's up to him. The timing is up to him. And the thing is that you may never ever get to see the salvation of your daughter, your son, your husband, your whatever it might be, your friend, your colleague, but that doesn't matter. The point is this, that you continue on in prayer believing for their salvation. We can't guarantee a time. And when we pray, how do we pray? Do we pray, God, just let it all be well with them, let the peace of God be on them? Did Paul pray that way? No. In fact, there was no provision left. 
He wasn't praying, God, give us lots of food. He, he said, I know that we're going to be saved. The salvation. He didn't pray, Lord, I, I, uh, you know, don't let our reputation be tarnished because of what's happening. He just prayed. And with our family sometimes, we, we feel that they're ruining our bad name. We're ashamed of people. We're, we're upset at how they treat us. He didn't worry about all that. When you're praying for your family, is it about them, about their salvation? Is it about them getting to heaven? Because it is far better to enter heaven after living on bread than feasting on pigs and not entering at all. God is asking us to say, we are interested in the salvation of those around us. It will take another thing as well. So firstly, speak up wisdom. Secondly, be quiet. Thirdly, serve those around you. Show them God's love through your actions and you will gain influence. You never do it for that reason, but you will gain influence. Fourthly, when it's time to explain God to them, do it clearly. Paul never hid his faith. In fact, when, he, when they got the food and, and he'd encouraged them, guys, I want you to eat something, said he took the bread, held it up, broke it off and ate, gave thanks to God. Do you know what, though, revealing who you are, and I'm not talking about making a big deal of it, but never be ashamed of your faith. Never be ashamed of who you are. Never be ashamed of your salvation because, honestly, it's the only way that we can be restored to God. And we want our actions to be there that, that the story can be told. In fact, one of the ways that we're told to share our faith is this, be ready, be instant to give an answer to the hope when people ask you. When people look at your life and they go, what is it about you? Are you ashamed of your faith? Are you scared to speak up? And I've got to say, at the moment, it's a genuine fear that a lot of people have, isn't it, as a Christian? If I identify myself, I'm going to be hurt. I'm going to be attacked. I'm going to be ridiculed. I'm going to be made fun of. I might even miss out on that promotion. I might even miss out on something else in life because I have identified myself as a Christian. Don't ever hide as a Christian. Don't ever be ashamed of that. Don't ever feel as though no one will ever listen because I tell you right now that as people see Christ in you, they will know the truth as they look at you. There's something special about you. There's something different. How come? What is it about you? And I've got to be honest, sometimes I'm in, in situations with people and I'm like, God, how could you ever break through? How could you ever do something here? But then God does something. 
God, how could I ever speak into this person's life? Every time I speak to them, it's just this rubbish that overflows. And I cannot break through. Can I remind you again of the first step? Pray. Pray, pray, pray. Because God has put you in that boat so that not just you, but that they might be saved. God has placed you in that position, not so that you can get to heaven, but that somehow you might be that catalyst that that draws people to Christ so that they too might be saved. This is the privilege of a saint that that we are given this opportunity to become these ministers of the gospel on earth and it's what we're called to. It's what we're here for, to help those around us, to help them see God. With your praying, I just want to encourage something else as well. And Have you got kids that are a bit wayward? One of the best things you can do is to actually get together with other people. It doesn't even have to be organised. It doesn't have to be some big event. But the privilege that I have in my life is when I meet with people at times. We share life. We pray together. We pray for our kids. We pray for their salvation because somehow that prayer of unity strengthens your own soul where you get together with them and sometimes we're even embarrassed to admit that we need prayer for things yet god is saying guys open up to one another make sure that if you are concerned about your kids and their salvation or your friends and their salvation speak up pray about it get together with other people that that may be even going through the same situation maybe not but that prayer of agreement is very, very powerful. In fact, the Bible says it this way, that whenever any two people agree on anything, it will be done by their Father in heaven. The prayer of agreement. The prayer of agreement. To pray into the situation, pray into your workplace. It's amazing how... It doesn't have to be an hour-long prayer. It can be five minutes together. You're just saying, man, I'm struggling in this area. We're just having a cup of tea. We've finished having a cup of tea. Hey, do you mind if we pray before we go? Whatever it is. But this basis of prayer is so important and it is definitely something that we've lost as a church, right? The church. And sometimes it's probably because we're just so comfortable with life. Do you know who, who runs and scrambles for that, that bowl of rice that's on the ground? The hungry person. They're the one who when that truck rolls in looking, look, and they're so starving, they're looking for food, they, they jostle, they move forward, they try to grab, they push people out the way. Because they want something. Honestly, while it's hard for us in a lot of ways as, as Christians in this, this country, we've actually got everything we need without God. We don't really. But you understand what I'm saying? I'm comfortable. I've got a roof over my head. 
I've got a reasonable job, a good income, I've got friends, I've got a car, I've got family. Why do I need God? I don't need him anymore. Everything I want, I've got. It's not true, of course. Within the heart of every person is this loneliness, this aching, this longing for eternity. That's how the Bible puts it, that God has put eternity in everyone's heart. But the problem for us as Christians is this, that without that lack of hunger, there is no desire. Often, without that desire, we're not driven to our knees to ask God for anything. Would you say that's true? No. We're not driven to our knees to ask God for anything, and so we plan it all instead. We make sure that everything's all right, everything's in order. We've got this. And plan for my future, retirement, or whatever it might be. And so for us, our special temptation as people of this culture that we are living in is that temptation of apathy. It's okay. I can get along in life and I don't need to pray. And it's challenging, isn't it? It challenges me. Am I desperate enough for my friends? Am I desperate enough for my family? Am I desperate enough for the community that I'm in to actually be driven to pray for them? Or has my heart become calloused? And unlike Paul, we've just become these people that are happy to just ride along in the storm as long as I'm safe. But God had this heart, Paul, you, and everyone with you. See, God's desire for the human heart connection has never failed. He sent his son, Jesus Christ, not so that I might be saved, but that the world might be saved through him. The world. He died for the sins of every person. The Bible says it's his desire for everyone to be saved. And if God's heart is beating that way, so too should our heart. That when we look around this world, that we're not thinking, how can I survive, but how can I save others? How can I be connected into the story of God in my life so that, that even if I'm in this place where there's this massive storm around me that, that I'm in, with all these people that it's not just my safety that I'm concerned of. I'm right, I'm going to heaven, but my heart is stirred to go, I'm praying for you. And let me tell you, the effect of what you might say or do to people might not be felt for years down the road. You don't know. But God has given you this important place, wherever you are, to be a witness for him, to live a life for him, to share the good news of God's salvation with others around you, to speak truth in love, to care for and also communicate the love of Christ to those around you. 
it's interesting, you know, when you read through the Bible, the New Testament, even the Old Testament prophets, you know, I think it was Paul wrote, you know, we are scourged, we are whipped, we are beaten, <laughs> yet through all this, yet through all this, they continued on living for him and never ceased to share the good news about Jesus. You and all the people in the boat with you. Can we get that mindset? Is our heart that way? And, you know, I sometimes reflect on things in my past and there's times when it seems like I've just been so connected into God and other times I haven't, to be honest. And I'm sure we're all like that. It's got a story I didn't know whether to share or not, that's all. Just about, I will share it. Just to let you know the workplace that you're in. Like, there's a guy, a young guy at work with us in, um, in area contract doing our work there, which is a tree company. Young fella from Germany had come over and he started just living his life, not with God, Apparently had a church background and all that sort of stuff. Anyway, for some reason we keep connected on WhatsApp. It's like we have this once a year, you know, hey, are you still there? Yep, I'm still here. Pictures of the family. Worst ever picture he sent me was him running to a helicopter on top of a building going off to rescue some people and I was so jealous. <laughs> that was like my dream job. How dare he rub it in my face. But when he was in Australia, he said, and, and I rang him the other night because he'd, he'd WhatsApp me at midnight and I happened to be up. And um, so I rang him up and we had a chat and he said, Neil, you know what? There's one occasion when I was working over in Australia and he said, you said to me, What's God's plan for your life? Are you living it out? Are you living your faith? And he said, that had stuck with me. And this is like we're talking over a decade later. That has still stuck with me. As a result of that, he'd gone back to Germany. He said, I was thinking about what you said that day. He said, what happened was I reconnected with church, with God, I've started training to become a missionary for math and I'm becoming a pilot. He did that. He's in Canada now working and, and working at getting out on the mission field. Why am I saying this? Because I want you to know that sometimes you'll say stuff. I never saw any change in that guy over here. But he flew back over to Germany, back to Germany, and somehow God had used what I'd said, that wisdom that I'd asked him, whatever I shared, I don't even remember. But somehow God had grabbed hold of that word and placed it in his heart, and the seed had grown into something that, so when, when he was over there, God, through the Holy Spirit, challenged him about where he was in life. And then I saw the photo of him and his family, his wife, his kids. And even as, you know, Nikki and Ben are up here and, 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 and the parents of Nikki there as well. 
Barry and Chris were not Christians when they had their kids. Is that right? <laughs> Actually, Barry, come up, please. Your dreams come true, you get a chance to speak on stage. Can you just share how you got saved, man? So I'm going to get Barry to share how he got saved. But the reason I'm saying this is today we're seeing this guy and Chris, Christians, with kids that somehow they've poured God into and they've taught them about God and then we've got grandkids coming on for Jesus. You see, the impact of your seed, whether it's one or a thousand, is amazing and it's powerful. So over to you, Barry. Okay, hopefully it won't be too long. Well, yeah, as Neil said, I was probably 30 when I became a Christian and it was probably being obedient to my mother who said uh, we had Ashley and basically mum said if you don't get Ashley baptised, if she dies she won't go to heaven. So I thought, well, okay, funny way of thinking but I, I can't remember whether I had any input as a child going to church but that sort of sparked something in me so we attended a St Luke's Anglican Church and after a number of years yeah we committed our lives to God and those times I was that full-on for the Lord I don't think there was a ministry that I wasn't involved in that uh, men's music the whole lot so and then from that um, yeah our other kids and I'm blessed that all my children have given their lives to God even my son, who's in Cairns, pray for him regularly because he's chosen not to follow that way at the moment, but God's not letting him go. So God's working in him, and so are we. So, yeah, there's hope for all of you out there that you think that God doesn't want you. He does. I mean, I said 30 years I was in the building industry. I was all about me and my life, but God turned that around and blessed to have a great wife and great kids and two great son-in-laws and a great daughter-in-law so thank you thanks thanks Barry <laughs> and I bet being in the building industry Barry you were the sort of guy that you know was like the top candidate for Christian of the year <laughs> Hey guys, was it your mum you said that, yeah, there's something in her, his mum's heart that wanted his, her son really to be in faith. I'm, 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 <laughs> I'm guessing, but I'm sure mum was praying for Barry, believing for Barry to be saved. And at the age of 30 or whatever, goes to church just to christen a baby, really. Somehow God moved in his life and broke through. Never underestimate the power of your prayers for people, guys. Never underestimate the power of your prayer for your children. Never give up in that struggle that not only you, but everybody in your boat might be saved. Let's pray. 
Father, we just thank you for your goodness, Lord. I actually want to pray strength over us this morning, Lord, as we head out into this week. Lord, I know there's some people here that are in tumultuous seas right now. Some are in peaceful seas. We don't know where it is, but Lord God, regardless of any situation, we know that you are with us and that's what Paul rested in, that God was with him. Lord, for those that are in those places where they're not meant to be, I pray in Jesus' name that you would just help them to wake up and come out of those places, Father God. But Lord, for those who are in hard places, struggling right now, but they know it's where you want them to be, I want to pray your strength upon them in an amazing way this week, Lord God. I pray, Father God, that we would all be people of prayer, that we would be interested in the salvation of not just us, but everyone in our boat. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, it may be this morning that you are not a Christian. You've never given your life to Jesus. But you know there's something pressing on your heart right now and you're like, I actually, I need him in my life. The Bible says that there's no other way, no other name by which man can be saved, only the name of Jesus, that he is our connection to God. The reason he died on a cross for you, that your sins might be forgiven. He took a punishment that you deserved so that you could be free. And this morning, he's calling you to that. If that's you this morning, I'm just going to pray and just ask that you pray with me. Just ask him into your life this morning. And the Bible says, anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. If you're genuine in your heart, he will come and meet you this morning. So let's just pray. Father God, I thank you for your goodness. I, I thank you for Jesus who died for me. This morning I'm just asking that you would come into my life. From this day on, I want to live for you. Forgive me of every sin and wash me white as snow that I might be released from that power and walk in the freedom that is given to me through Jesus. Amen. We are going to stand. <laughs> oh, I was going to yell. Um, and seeing if you want prayer for anything, please come forward. Perhaps even this morning you've made that decision, I want to follow Jesus. I'd love you to come up and we'll pray and, and connect you with someone who can help you in that journey.